Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin. But they still reveal things to us. As they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table, the story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Hello and welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. This is a really special episode. I'm really glad to introduce it. This is number 300. Woo! Yeah, absolutely. Woo! Celebrate! Sound effects are cheering. Yeah. I'm Jordan, and I am surprisingly enough the game master for something that's gone on for 300 episodes. Well, this is Johnny, and I play all sorts of characters. This is Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't remember so, any of his character names so, right now. So, so Jeff's <laughs> greatest hits include yeah. Tree Man, yeah. Clock Man. Green man, clock man, and, and water man. Water man. And my axe. <laughs> and my axe. Hi, I'm Ellie. I usually play one of the more eccentric characters. Yep. Are true. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Aaron, and I am a character. <laughs> Sometimes. And my name is Jeremy, and there's many, many characters that we will discuss today. Yeah. yeah. So, honestly, 300, I never really thought that we would get to this point. When we ended Terra Proximus, I think as a group, some of us were having some of our lower moments. In yeah. I know Johnny was going through some stuff and I was going through some personal stuff as well. And so honestly, coming back and rebooting with Angel's Guard was an unexpected blessing. <laughs> yeah, it was a pleasure. It was it was some of the one of the, the things that kept me going in a lot of ways. Just thinking about how much this group, how we've evolved, how we've had new people come, old friends go, and the core group that we have now is just phenomenal. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I look forward to this every time we sit down. I, I get excited. and it, It's fun because you get to, to think about like interacting with your friends. And I feel like we spend, whenever we get together, we almost spend an entire day together because mm-hmm. we're catching up with each other's lives and we're, we're talking about Things that are interesting us, um, interesting us. Is that a word? No, uh, no. Yeah. Things that that interest us at the moment. Things that are going on in our family lives. You know. So it's n- not just getting around a table and playing a game, although that's a major part of it. But it's also a time of community and a time of of personal growth and friendship and sharing. And to me, that's one of the most exciting things about the group. Very much agreed. Yep. I can't stand any of y'all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Especially Jeff. Yeah, yeah. He's the worst. Sorry. Can't help myself. The thing I, I enjoy most about it is, um, one, the interaction. I love Jordan was saying, just interacting with, with everybody, even some of the guests that we've had, uh, building relationships, friendships. Uh, but I am a just creative person by nature, so I love the creating a story that is our own. More so, we, we just had this, had this discussion off mic about what we're going to do as far as campaigns, whether pick up a box thing or do a, another microscope where we actually get to create the world. That is some of the, the discussions that are sparked off 
air off episode, I think, are mostly about postulating what is actually going on in the world yeah. um, and yeah. how things, how the pieces fit together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really like the world building, the creating the story, bouncing, I think Aaron has said this before, bouncing the ideas off of each other and happened so many times that I'll have an idea and I'll take it to Jeff or take it to Ellie or mention it to Jordan. And then he's like, yeah, but what if this is also a part of it? Then I'm just like, oh, man, you just ramped this up to the next level and something even more awesome comes out of it than I originally had thought. So, yeah, I love this storytelling aspect of it. And honestly, I think that's part of the the joy of it is the collaboration because Mm -hmm. you, you come at it with one idea and someone says that's great let's twist it just a little bit and something else comes from it that's absolutely gorgeous yeah we i mean we are classified we label ourselves as an actual play role-playing podcast um when i describe it to people i always start off saying it's collaborative storytelling yeah mm-hmm. that's how i started mm-hmm. it. and i mean it's yes it's in the box in the framework of role-playing game yes. but it's more collaborative storytelling oh, to definitely. me than anything else definitely. I, I honestly, I think of us as a radio play with some dice rolling, more than anything. Yeah. Yeah, we just use dice to make up our decisions. Yeah. Or how successful our decisions are, rather. <laughs> we, we, Some, we sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes we decide and our dice says, nope. Yes. <laughs> That's why I say, how successful. Yeah. That's why I try it. to do things without rolling. <laughs> I, you, you, know, you just say what you're going to say. What you do the season. beginning of season three started with nothing but Jeff wrote, or was it season one or season two? One season started with a Jeff solo scene. Oh, it was, and we were just rolling. Jeff was, and he was awful. I was like, "Why are we starting a story yeah. with this?" <laughs> yeah, and that's like, if you start off with someone going horribly, then consequences start piling up, and then you right away with them. Right, yeah, into, right, right away. Into, was that was that Jeff Jer fighting fighting fires and like Jer couldn't do anything against the fire in the military installation? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was season one of uh, was, Elements of War. Yeah, yeah. he had the house fire at Gaspar Neri's and could not put out the fire. <laughs> couldn't put out the fire. Couldn't climb the steps. Couldn't carry the body. <laughs> That's when we also realized, Jeff, roll your firefighting skill. <laughs> I don't have any firefighters. So. <laughs> yeah. So we actually have prepared a few questions, and I think we're also going to intersplice some of our some outtakes. Some outtakes. Yeah, because we got some great outtakes. Yeah, and <laughs> there is a lot of editing that goes into. It. Sometimes people can't speak correctly, and Jeff. sometimes poor <laughs> <Or> Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> the objections. The objectives. Ah, objections. The objection, (laughs) the adjectives, the things you want to do in mission. So ice. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) 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 We haven't all watched that movie. Sounds about right. Involuntary blood spasm donation to centers. Words? Words. You never said blood spasm. <laughs> that, <too. laughs> that will happen after you. Yes, it, that's why it's involuntary. <laughs> blood spasming everywhere. Building planning, uh, building, 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 a building, 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 or imploding. Buffalo, 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 buffalo. It is a <laughs> proper sentence. <laughs>
Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. It's going to be an interesting night. Are we done? Nope. <laughs> Welcome to our new, our spin-off podcast, Fun with English. <laughs> Ironically hosted by Jeff. <laughs> Where, uh, English can't I today, maybe, no. You managed to take care of the facilities without too many issues. He has two T's? <laughs> Those dice were sealed in a container. They were not contaminated by my other dice. Contaminated. <laughs> contaminated. <laughs> you make fun of my English. Jordan's added extra teas all day today. <laughs> or things that uh, just totally take away from the, the scene at the moment that are actually hilarious and break the table. So we kind of put those off to the side. We'll use that, that clip yeah. later. One second, guys. Like cramp. Oh. You couldn't see him stretching. His okay, I, was, under the table. I just saw his face. I was like, "What is Adrian doing?" It's <laughs> <laughs> like something's about to happen. All right, all right. Writing down initiative. You insulted, insulted his breakfast. <laughs> choice. I refused the fish, and something's gonna attack me. <laughs> all right. This podcast has caught on fire. <laughs> I was like, this, this is, is a test. test. <laughs> this has been a test of the emergency podcasting system. As long as this part gets cut from the show, Jeremy's were better than my wife's. It's staying in. Remember that there's an outtake episode. <laughs> <laughs> Take that one out of context. <laughs> yes. Uh, editing audio is so much fun. Sound like a stupid question. Can seven-year-olds write? Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now yeah. it's first grade. First grade. Okay. Think of yeah. first grade. First, second, second grade. First, second, second grade. Second okay. Grade. Yes. So yes, they can write. Uh, you can immediately tell who doesn't have kids <laughs> and who does. Can seven-year-olds even talk? I mean, really. <laughs> How are their communication skills? Are they still like grunting and like? <laughs> or is it like no, they all do that until they're 13 oh yeah <laughs> they were gross they don't you remember like when you were 13 no oh, I still do that yeah. <laughs> that that's because your words don't get along it's great that we have you co-hosting a podcast I know <laughs> it's beautiful words names numbers numbers are the worst <laughs> That's the sound that Kaiju's making as it's a It's suddenly less terrifying. <laughs> it, it's formed this massive body of like boats and shit, airships and stuff. And rubber duckies. <laughs> My compliments to the chef. I will make sure to. It's my kind of apple pie. Have her listen to this. Yes. As long as... No. no. <laughs> this well, episode... There was nothing incriminating, was there? No, I'm not just... yet. Not yet. Again, it's just... You don't know what will be said. 
So anyway, <laughs> we never say anything bad about any of our spouses. Oh, and I brought mis- mixed spa- mixed spouses. I brought mixed nuts. <laughs> <laughs> mixed spouses. That's a very different snack. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Vanilla, Jeremy. Vanilla. And there it is. That's why you don't have your wife listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) You saw into the future. (laughs) Told you. This podcast is now three weeks older. (laughs) I have two passes for next week's Quidditch game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Harry Potter lately. <laughs> Insert sport here game. We'll say uh no. We'll yeah, we'll say round ball sounds good. Ground ball. Round ball. Round ball. Ball ball. <laughs> ball. 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 Building building. <laughs> ball ball. Do you wanna do this? <laughs> yeah, so we're going to go ahead and go through some of the questions that we have put together as a little bit of discussion starters to celebrate the 300th episode. Let's go ahead and talk about the favorite character that all of you have played. This is including one-shots. This is including yes. one-shots. This is including if you guys get to take over an NPC for a little while, anything like that. Because Terra Proximus, <laughs> oh, yeah. we pass yeah. around non-player characters like they were... Um, Candy? Well, I was going to say something else. Like, they were the coronavirus, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. For instance, Some... there's been a lot of corona jokes that were taken out that will not be put back in. <laughs> but yes, there have been a lot of characters that everybody has played. In Fiasco, Inspectors, uh, Eldritch High, Eldritch High, Cthulhu, Cthulhu, Cthulhu Dark, Dark, Space Patrol, Space Patrol, Love Cosmic Patrol, Patrol, Cosmic Patrol, Cosmic Patrol, Monster of the Week, Lasers and Feelings, Lasers and Feelings, Star Wars, uh, Swords Life. Without Master, Sword Without Master, My Life with Master, My Life with Master, My Life with Master. No, apparently we have a thing for the word Master. Somebody have a little bit of a Napoleon complex? <laughs> well, we started off with Willis Master. We started so, off with Willis <laughs> Master. I mean, trying to master his Willis. Uh, <laughs> that joke has been around for years. Capers. Capers. Capers yeah. Grin. Oh, how can I forget oh, Grin? That was a fun Ten one. Candles. Oh, so many good ones. Anyways, so yeah, those, are, those are all the. These are all the different playing. systems that we've played, and just listing all of those systems. We haven't ever done a, a fate game on air, have we? No. We've no. done fate accelerated at conventions. At conventions, we did that. Um, yeah. So favorite character played. Favorite character. I don't remember his name. It was the, no, it was uh, Elements War. It was the entire episode where we all played as, like, knockoff. Action heroes. Yeah. <laughs> knockoff uh, action You hero. were uh, Liam Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. I just love that entire episode. And then, I mean, it's more that entire episode rather than just that character. All of the characters that just were, were That was a fun. great episode. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a great episode. And, and yeah, it was a great action a, movie episode. Yes. That was a fun character. That would be fun characters to play because even in the dice rolls, the dice rolls seem to just fit yeah. that character, that actor that we're trying to portray. <laughs> like, your character was the one that ended up getting all the information from them in interrogation. <laughs> right. So, I mean, Liam Neeson. Okay, all right, there we go. When I get back to the room after visiting with the kids, uh-huh. I, I, I ask you if you'll step outside for a quick second. Okay. And I look at Delby. Found some interesting drawings in uh, down with your kids. I place them on the table. We can see him. 
You know what's going to happen to your children. They're just kids. I don't think the council takes this type of slander like uh, lightly. I know of some very, very needy places, you know, places that th- those kids would be very welcome with, with this, this type of view. Are you threatening my children? No, I'm just letting you know that I know I know how tough it can be to try to take care of your family and I know of the best way you can take care of your family. What are you trying to say? Here's a confession. You stole the GX-35 and you detonated it out of the water taxi. And this confession and these documents are missing. And then there was uh, whoever played um, Tom Bruce, Tom, um, Tom, Tom, Tom Bruce. Yeah. Tom Bruce. <laughs> Going around the back of the building is like, no, I'm going to sprint. That's how you know it's going to be a good scene. Yep. <laughs> and it ended up being the most action in the scene. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. And then Johnny's character, Christopher Rove, was the only one to hear the gunshot around the side of the building. It's like, what? You got super hearing? <laughs> that whole episode. That was crazy. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and put a pin in that because I think favorite narrative devices that we've used is an important yeah, methods of storytelling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right. I, I loved playing Edric Farthings. Yes. If you haven't listened to the Terra Proximus episodes, Edric Farthings was a scientist who was a little bit of a coward. A little bit. A little bit of a coward. And extremely single focused. Yeah, you scatterbrained as far as could not concentrate on anything but the one thing that yes. you wanted to concentrate on. I had to roll my perception to see if I could be distracted. distracted. Yeah. <laughs> so if you rolled high he wouldn't listen to anybody else. Okay. He, oh. He was, he was so focused on his work. Yeah. As we're arriving, there, everybody's forming up in their proper place, and I'm not paying attention to where I'm going. I'm just looking at my data pad, walk, and just keep walking until I run into somebody. Oh, man. That was a bad mistake, running into Captain James. Uh, uh, sorry, Captain. Uh, just I got lost here. I was working on this equation. I need to pay better attention, Professor. Well, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, just trying last-minute stuff before we leave the ship here. See, I'm working on this uh, formula to figure out how to turn this waste back into water using less chemicals. <laughs> that sounds disgusting. But essential. All right, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Just when we're down on the planet, you got to be paying attention. I understand. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand. All right. Come through the tent. Professor. Tap him on the shoulder. <laughs> Professor. What? 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 Oh. Oh. Hello, Captain. Also, he decided to fully get into his character very first episode and take himself out of any action that would... For the rest of the, like, several episodes, Johnny decided... I'm so into character that I'm going to make sure this guy does not see any action. Oh, I unbuckle my seatbelt and I break my leg. <laughs> that way I can't be in any fights. <laughs> so, so the setup for Terra Proximus was that there was a space station orbiting Earth. All the rich people had fled after a pandemic. Oh, dear God. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, um, if it sounds like another TV show that you may have watched, yes. Yeah, we, yeah. we came up with it first. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it was very similar to the 100, also very similar to Elysium. Mm-hmm. After, after Earth. Earth. Yeah. After Earth. Those were all coming out of the, around the same time that we had the idea. Oblivion. Well, we came out around the same time when we were starting to release. Yeah, that we were starting to release. 
the idea was that the survivors in the space station were sending a small crew down to explore the planet. They landed in what is currently the Amazon rainforest. Mm. And on their way down, their ship gets attacked by a pterodactyl. The in ring, panic. The wing gets ripped off of the ship, and in panic, instead of staying buckled in like everybody else does... It's fight or flight. It's fight or flight. <laughs> buckles his seatbelt. Starts running. And but we're crashing. While they're crashing. Um. Breaks his leg, and then because of that, everybody was pointing guns in multiple directions. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and I had a broken leg the entire campaign. But that's breaking off of the topic. Yes. All right. My favorite was when we were playing Eldritch High, the little you, Asian kid. Ando Gunchu. Ando Gantu. I loved playing that little kid just because I just took it to so many stereotypes. And it was amazing. Well, that, it it kind of worked for that because the way Jordan set it up, and now you pulled this from somewhere where you set it up as a classroom. Oh, geez. It was a Powered by the Apocalypse game, Monster Heart. Yeah. And so each seat in the classroom was a different stereotype. Basically, yeah. So that, that, that's the way it fit. So each person in the class, each kid in the class, had a different stereotype. The, the jock, the nerd. Yeah. yeah. So the chess I mean, club kid. It, that's kind of fun. I I loved the way that was built, especially for a school setting. Yeah. It yeah. gave so it many possibilities too. of interaction. Yeah. And the idea, I guess, with that was Eldritch High. You had you could focus on one student as that's the person that provide the story for this one. And then exactly. you could pick it up again. Okay, now we're going to focus on this stu- student, and there's a different kind of story that goes along with it. But yeah, Under Gunshu would say. That was so awesome. much fun to play. We forgot Kids on Brooms. That's one of my one-shots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kids on Brooms. That's <laughs> yep. Their favorite characters. Since I'm more of a big story person, even though as much as I love those characters, I can't include them in like the favorite ones that I've played. <laughs> I'm mainly selecting from main characters and no. I love all of the three main characters that I played I will have to say though probably the one that rises to the top barely above the other two is going to be uh, Grayson Bigby I will um, have to say the reason because of that aspect he had a goal to keep himself hidden Yeah. Um, and just the way the story built around that goal for a season and a half unknowingly it was being built around that as a big reveal to what right. would happen to Grayson at the end, mm-hmm. you kind of built that and didn't know that that was going to be the result of that. Yeah. But that made that character so much fun to play. And I've talked about this before, having a sort of another character inspiration, like what other character out there in TV or movie or pop culture is sort of like this character. And I showed Jeff this episode of uh, Blacklist. Uh, Bl- the Blacklist and uh, Raymond Reddington. This is an older character, but I've, what would that character like be like as a little kid? Yeah. But that still have that kind of mentality that mm. he's going to swindle his way swindler. and just have his way no matter what. He thinks he's better than everybody else and kind of speaks that way. How tall are you? I am 6'2". So much taller than me. So Grayson looks up, looks up at him, tilts his head to the side, says, I need to go find Demetrius, and walks away. <laughs> Answer my question, boy. He just ignores you. <laughs> Grayson stops, turns around, and is like, don't you have a castle to go back to, sir? And keeps walking. <laughs> so that's the character that I kind of like took as inspiration for. Grayson Digby. I actually want to change my my vote for 
for my favorite character to play because I distinctly remember while I was playing this character that this oh. was my favorite character to play. The the kid from the school. Oh. The oh, one yeah. where I was yes, like, yes. I am uh, the council. Prinnock. Yes. Okay, yes. yes. That was my very favorite <laughs> character to play because it freaked everyone out so yeah. much. Yep. My hand over my heart. I'm sure it's like right crying. next to your bed. Oh yeah. You probably sleep with a, a map of the of North Valley Cyber on on the wall over yeah, your yeah. bed. <laughs> it's how I go to sleep as I study the map next to me. I dream of the day when I will be making commands that affect all of it. May I just point out that your character is really creepy? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that was my goal. Yeah. <laughs> Even Flynn is a little creeped out by it. Knock is definitely the weirdo of the group. Like, no one likes him at all, ever. And it was so much fun playing that character and freaking everyone out and making everyone go. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, was good. That was good, Jeff. That was good. Yes. Favorite. All right, Jordan. So this character only appeared in a couple episodes of Angel's Guard. Not my favorite NPC, but probably one of my favorite characters that I played was the guy that Jeremy's character killed and then came back buried and buried. Cyril? Yeah. Yes. Cyril. Cyril. Oh my gosh, that character was crazy. Well, it was, it was created out of Grayson's backstory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grayson had this girl that he liked but the older brother Cyril yeah. hated Grayson so that's where that tension came in but that uh -huh. ended up being a great character Cyril was was working yeah, for the main villain and he's like following them around and then like shooting arrows at so Valentine as you open the door and you step out there is an arrow that hits directly into the door jam next Whoa! to <laughs> Grayson is going to immediately Move to the back and go invisible. Grayson, are you in there? Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't come out in 10 seconds, this warty little imp is going to get hurt. So okay, now he's invisible. I guess he hears that and it sounds like, I'm guessing Cyril. How'd you guess? <laughs> <laughs> he's going to walk straight out. And okay. look and see where, where Cyril's standing and what is going on. Okay, so you walk out and you see Cyril on the rooftop of a building directly across from from the clockwork shop. He has Wart or Wart Toad. Toad tied up in front of him, and Toad is just like bawling his eyes out. He's got like one foot on Toad's shoulder. If he wanted to, he could just kick him off the roof and down onto the pavement head first. And I loved Cyril. He was so damn evil. And yeah, he was. I can't really think of one. It's no, you, it's not that yeah, I have a lot to choose from. It's I'd rather have yeah more options. I will say, editing and listening, one of my favorite characters that you have played for me. Don't say stop. Bon Bolton from uh, Cthulhu Dark, the kid that always had. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That Did you was know I named him after? A stuffed animal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, okay, listen. Do you know, um, we named this giant fluff ball of a giraffe that we just saw on CBS one day, Baby Bon. 
and it's just like the cutest little face, right? But that was named after um, the Seven Deadly Sins character, Bon. Oh, okay. So that's why I was like, I'm going to use that name. But not the character I drew from the Seven Deadly Sins. It was the stuffed animal. I was like, you know what? <laughs> we'll go with the stuffed animal. But that that was a, a great one shot. But it, I mean, that character in that one shot, well, all the characters in that one shot were, I think, were very well done. But mm-hmm. they're some of the most comedic and serious, like, you hit the full range with mm. that character. Mm-hmm. There was funny, there was frightened, there was horrified, mm-hmm. there was heartfelt, there was, oh man, I really feel bad for this kid kind of moments in, in that story. So, yeah. One moment. I actually have decided on your favorite character. Okay, okay. Uh, I mean, Archie. I... <laughs> <laughs> Which Archie? Oh, <laughs> the original, the original, yes. the very ser- cheese block Archie. And I'll tell you why. It's because I, I've mentioned this in every episode commentary that we ever do. You guys bring me out of my comfort zone, and then that character was so far from who I am. I don't know why I decided to challenge myself the first time playing with you guys. Because you were smart. I would like to make a comment to Dolph, say, okay. uh, but I start laughing. And I say, this is the most fun I've had in days. You know what, kid, you're fun. I'll double my uh, food in this bag just for you. For you guys. Just because you made this so much fun. Been bored these past couple weeks. Double the food? Yes. Okay, just let's leave them. They want to steal your food. I'll take you to my friend. Let's go. (laughs) It's double the food. We're going. And you weren't fun. We were the fun ones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> He's the one who got me to promise you food. He got you the first bag of food, you got the second. I'm for the food. Duh. Are you gonna stop scrambling about, kid? And help me? I'll stop. Alright. I put him down. And when I first I first meet people, I'm very, very actually shy. I'm, I'm very closed off. I, I yes. 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 I swear. Charity's got this. Confused look I on know. his face. That was not you when you were the kindergarten age. Well, I, I had to be friends with the kids. Kids are different. Yeah. Kids are different. Kids, kids are, are easier. They're different yeah. animals. Around. Yeah, because kids don't care. I felt like I had to raise the bar every time I come over here. Yeah, because of and, 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 so that that's kind of been the theme though. Even with Terra Proximus, we'd have this great recording session, and we'd be like. Oh my goodness, how are we ever going to live up to that? And then we get to the end of the next session, it's like, oh my goodness, how are we going to ever live? (laughs) And it seems to have been that way each and every single time. Yeah, it's not a matter of us trying to make it better, it just happens. Honestly, we are raising the bar. So I would would go to say, not only has Archie added so much, but the way you play Archie has added so much. Because Archie could have been super easy to come in and be like, well, I'm an android, I'm here to help you guys. And like, very safe. Like, that's how I would have played Archie, because I play Uh safer than anybody else at the table, I think. Um, <laughs> so, so, Archie... Jeremy's just shooting out these looks Jeff today. Plays safe Jeff, 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 Jeff plays, plays safe. safe. Jeff plays safe. I play safe. So, yeah, so Archie could have been just a, 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 a great helper accessory character, but Archie yes. is really driving this, oh, yeah. no. this part of the story gotta, due to the way you play Archie. I have to be honest, in a lot of ways right now, Archie is the star of the show. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah. Well, I, would agree, I would agree that. Favorite character of all time, anybody's. I've got one that's going to be surprising, I think. And shout out to the person that is no longer with us that played this character. One of my favorite characters of all time is Dran Renner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
for Terra Proximus, Carlin did such an excellent job of taking, I think, his decision in the, the prologue episode when yeah. Jordan pushed his character really, I think, molded, in a sense, the future of Bone Thrower's Theater. It did. Up until that point, in my mind, it was still going to be, all right, this is going to be a, like a collaborative campaign. We're all going to yeah. try and do complete the goals all together. And then Dran Renner ended up being the sort of anti-hero in mm. the group. Yes. Where he had his own agenda and was willing to do anything, cut anybody's legs out from under them. And I tried to uh, offer the peace pipe, so they say. But I can just see that, you know what? You're up to the, your same beliefs and your same thoughts and your same misconceptions about me. And nothing is ever going to change that. So you know what? Screw you and the horse that you're riding out on. And he just walks away. Out of character? Yes. At this juncture, for Dran, I could create the skeleton in the closet at this point. Okay. Is that okay? That's perfectly fine. Okay. So back in character? Yeah. Dran goes after... <clears throat> Place uh, and slits his throat. Dran, being the survivalist and always being ready to prepared for everything, is going to drag the body into his place and dispose of it properly. It's a goals. little chaotic, huh? Oh, oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and it it created so much tension yeah. within the group. Uh huh. But I think that's what molded the, how the rest of Bone Th- we at that point when that happened, we were no longer afraid to go PvP. Yeah. It was. Such a twist, yeah, unexpected twist. And again, that was that was something that it wasn't planned. Carly even said he never planned for his character to be that way. It's just when that situation Jordan brought up presented itself, it's like, all right, fine, I'm making a decision. This character is going to be this way now, hmm. and that totally shifted the rest of Terra Proximus and opened the door for all this PvP kind of, mm-hmm. which carried has carried over into Angel's Guard and into Elements of War now, which I think has added so much to these campaigns. But one of my favorite characters in general, uh, I'm going to have to go with Adorin Mar. Yes. Adorin Mar is probably one of my favorite characters to play because Ah. he was so distinctive, like, to act and how he would talk and Mm -hmm. his mannerisms. We'll say that that on your search for food, you find Adorin Mar, and he's just waking up for the day. It's like cinnamon. Oh. And you see... He's taken off his mask for a, a moment. He's got a, a beak-like face, but he also seems to be holding his breath. Okay. So, and it looks like he's got very large eyes that look like they were developed to see in the dark. Okay. Whoa. Uh, Adrian Mar, you... He kind of, he, he holds up a finger to stop you and puts on his mask and, and secures it behind his head. Are you okay? Mm-hmm, fine. Oh, you didn't expect to see that in the morning. Do you all look like that? All have different true face. Okay. Not like human, all shaped one way. Are humans all shaped one way? Yes. <laughs> okay. Miss Court could be, they could be slithery, they could be flappy. They could um, swim underwater. Some of us have only nighttime sight. Oh, so none of you, you're all different. Ah. Okay. And I had none of that plan when I became the character. I, I just knew that he was 
he was wearing a, a mask that made him look like a bird. Yeah, a plague mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a plague mask, yeah. And it was inspired... Before plague masks were in. Again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of creepy. The reason he had him wearing the mask was because the atmosphere on the Realm of Angels was poisonous to him. Yeah. yeah. So, And he was probably one of my favorite... Burned Tail is... Burned Tail was a lot of fun. Burned Tail, it's between Adrian and Burned Tail. It depends on what day you ask me, because Burned Tail was... I loved her for because she gave such a different perspective to the world. Yes, Burned Tail will come up in discussion later. For me, definitely. Anybody else? I I kind of like, um, what's her name? Orion's ex-wife? Aurora? Aurora. Aurora. I liked her. She was just because I was Orion. I did not like her. Yes, <laughs> but <laughs> it made for such great it, it was, stories. It was great, great part of the story. Yes. Uh, Captain James is just gonna sit there and stare straight into her face. What is that supposed to mean? It's spelled out plainly, as you can see. What more do you need? So you've got some tattoos. You're just carrying around a piece of metal. I'm carrying around their names on my. The names of everyone that I've lost. Brian James takes off his vest, pulls up his shirt, and right in the middle of his chest, big letters, it says Caster. I forgot one and walks away. Punch in the face. You hear on comms, Masters, Smith. You think you can just walk away from me like that? You're relieved. Winters, it's our shift. I'm not done with talking with you. You are dismissed, Captain. Well, this isn't about the military right now. This is about me and you. But this is going on over comms. Oh, yes. Dran is so listening. Ryan James is off. He's gone. He walks by the fire and says, Winters, let's go. I'm not done talking with you. And she's, like, following right behind him. And all that came about, again, not planned because of one montage uh-huh. scene where Jordan gave control to Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> in two seconds, forever changed the campaign. I think that my favorite character is the combo of Sam and Shade. That is my favorite character. Yeah. The dynamic, the push and pull, the, the go with it mentality versus the we shouldn't quite do that right now <laughs> mentality. He just said that he could... Force me to talk. Do you hear this? Of course I hear it. How much of a threat do you think he actually is? I don't. Why? I I feel threatened. I know you feel threatened. You always feel threatened. But, look at him. Do you really think I couldn't stop him if he tried? Well, I think you should stop him from even trying now. That doesn't make sense. Why? Because we need them still. No, we don't. You told me we did. Well, now we're at the preserve. We can do this ourselves. Do what ourselves? That's a good question. No, we still need that. No. Shade, you're in one of your moods. No, I'm not. I do not like having a threat near me. Okay, we'll take care of it. Now. And underneath the conversation, you hear Julian to Jared's like, and I'm sure it doesn't take an investigator to know now that Sam is now arguing with Shade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny Wait. talking about uh, Sam and Shade. The, I just listened to an episode of a podcast where we're talking about a dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder, and I was like, wow, that is shade to a T. You know, <laughs> everything they talk about, like, that's shade. That's good, because that, that was the kind of goal with creating shade the way that we did with the mechanic that we did. You know, I, I mentioned that I play safe, and I've mentioned this to Jordan a few times. 
I definitely think that there are some things that I could do with Sam and Shane that if I were a little bit more bold would be a lot of fun. <laughs> but it would it would not be fun for the entire story. story. It would be... It would be uh, yeah, trip. I definitely as a player tend to play towards the what would make for the better story. Yeah. Not better for my character. Yeah. So If we were going to have like some kind of campaign event, ending event and I didn't have a plan for it ahead of time, I would just take over Sam and Shade and just... <laughs> so my... I, ha- I have two favorite characters. Uh, one is Adrian Mar. For all of the reasons that Jordan said, it was Adrian was a fun character to to interact with mm-hmm. and to watch and to to quote. It was like it was a thing. <laughs> yes, to quote. <laughs> <laughs> it was a thing. And then uh, my my other favorite character was again someone that was fun to play with was Grayson Digby, because playing as Brother Benedict to have people that were kind of fun to play off of. I think Benedict and Digby's banter and interactions. Grayson can't speak in complete sentences right now. He's just like, what? my my parents. Benedict walks over to Grayson, puts his hand on his on his shoulder. It doesn't matter who your parents are. It matters who you are. Benedict's just keep moving forward, muttering to himself, I am not a fraud. I am my master's. Grayson sort of picks up his pace a little bit as he, he's going to pass Benedict, as Benedict is saying that, and says, Benedict, go along with that thought. Probably gave me some of the best advice I've gotten in a long time. So keep going. <laughs> the great thing about Brother Benedict was, in a lot of ways, he was the, the straight man for the group. Because you always played him very close to the best. Yeah. You had Grayson, who was a little bit. Close to the vest in a different way. Close to the vest in a different way. <laughs> and then you had, on the other end of the spectrum, you had Valentine. Yeah. And Valentine is just out there. Flamboyant. Flamboyant mm-hmm. character. Well, he's and, the actor. He's, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and Mike Shep, did a great job Mike of Mike did a great job with Valentine. I love Valentine as a character. Yeah. Bears, specifically the original bear. Uh, I think that it wasn't just Jordan that helped me come out of that box. I haven't seen an innocent character... <laughs> at all in my game playing except with you guys except for Bear I, and I, I think I think we've ever played him as a character except for Bear he's, he's probably the most wholesome thing to come yeah. out of this yeah. even, even amongst well, the kids uh, I, I, I kick things Aderin yeah. Yeah. Aderin is, is probably I bet yeah. you can't even say Burntail because no. uh, well, Burntail no. they had some she had a bit of spice to it yeah oh. but I'll tell you what you're role playing with Bear like, I was trying to play this rigid man, but you forced me <laughs> to want to just come over and just hold you. <laughs> I just wanted, you just uh, said, where are my feet? And I just, I, I didn't have the heart to tell you. <laughs> I look at Bear. Okay. You see that his skin is missing from his face. <gasps> well done. <laughs> and it's just metal and wires. <laughs> Why do I actually feel like crying? I feel so attached to this uh-huh. little boy. This is how it works. You're not supposed to get attached. Bear, where's your face? On my head. <laughs> I put a hand on his shoulder and I'm like, but it's no longer there. It is not on your head. It is somewhere else. 
Bears that was definitely at the top of my list of one of the ones to choose from as far as a favorite character played. I just love playing Bear. So you, right. you want to go ahead and talk about favorite scene? Favorite scene. Favorite scene. Do you want me to start off? Because we favorite sort of scene. set it up for Terra Proximus already. One of my favorite scenes, and I every time I think about it, one of my favorite scenes because it broke sort of the pattern of what we had done. We had not done a scene like this so far. It's when we were traveling to the Clan of the Nine Claws, their village, and came upon it and seeing it being burnt down. Yeah. And then just the emotion that happened. We had not, not done anything heartfelt, heartbroken, or devastatingly emotional like that yet. I say yet because we would do that more and more and yeah. more and more and more as time went on. But just walking up, having the characters walk up to there, and then Jordan, your portrayal of Burnt Tail for that made that scene. Speaking anyway, of Orion. Yeah. Um, what is Burnt Tail doing? I know she ran in there. I was following right behind her. She's just, she's like shrieking in mourning. Um, and she's like clutching this child to her. As she's gone to scoop it up, the forearms like fall off because the bones have been so charged through. And basically, she's holding it so close that the ash from the body is just completely caking her. She's like trying to like breathe life into it and you can see that the ash is just like smudging all over her face. And she's letting out these horrible yowls of pain and anguish. Ryan's gonna go up and just gently place his hand on like the back of her shoulder, neck area and see if she reacts at all. Now you can understand that she's going, my baby, my baby, over and over and over again. Because the idea was, Burntail could speak telepathically if she was in physical pain, and the idea that she was in so much emotional pain that as soon as my character, Orion, touched her, all of a sudden, he could now understand that she was crying out, my baby, my baby. And that was her child that had, was mm -hmm. dead. That's one of my favorite scenes in everything that we have done, just because we had not done something that emotional to that point yet. I mean, I have a host of favorites. God, it's hard yeah. to Yeah, I know. I don't Go ahead. Go ahead. The Cthulhu Dark One. And it, it's not actually the one where we were in the underground cave. Yeah. Oh, no? No. What really scared me was when we were in my uh, mother's bedroom and you started coming after me, Jordan, your, your evil character. That actually frightened me. You frightened me. This is the TV repairman, Mr. Yes, Ellis. yes, Mr. yes, yes. He was frightening. Like, I wanted to physically run out of that room. Why, thank that, you. Yeah. So, you just make us kudos. Kudos. And then the one with shade. The school, right? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. solo salmon shade scene. Yeah. That's another one that was yeah. the top of my list. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so good. That was good. a great one. Shade gives control of Sam's body back to Sam. Sam says, Where am I? Shade goes, You killed him. You killed them all. Way to go. Sam's like, Who, who, who did I kill? And Shade says, You see that? You see that bloody patch over there? That's Chime. You see the the hand that's attached to those bars over there? 
That's Jer. <laughs> See that bit of hair up in that grate? It's Julian. See that that little can over there? That's Archie. Why? Why did I? Why did I kill him? Because they found out your secret. But how? I I don't know. But they 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 let me know when you woke up and and then you just went nuts. They 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 didn't des- deserve this. Was th- did you do this or did I do this? Oh, trust me, it was all you. And Sam's gonna sit there and stun silence. So that that was awesome. That one was fun to act. Because <laughs> usually there was a couple episodes where I was kind of sitting on the wayside, just waiting for you guys to do your thing, and so I would just like entertain myself, count the lights on the ceiling. <laughs> but that one made me shoot up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was I wish I was playing with you, but like technically I'm not. Oh my god, I wish. I want to be there. But... I want to be there, but I'm not. There are so many times when like we stopped uh, recording, and someone's like. I so wish I had been in that scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, those were my, my Or thank favorites. goodness Grayson wasn't was in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there was a lot of that too. Yeah. So, actually, Cthulhu Dark was one of, had some of my favorite scenes in it too. I loved verbally abusing everybody. Um, it's just cathartic to tell people that they're trash. I don't know what else to say. Um, <laughs> Another one of my favorite scenes was when the when the monster came out of the mirror in the bottom oh of the god. room. Oh god, that was awesome. <laughs> that <sighs> scene was incredible. And I think, it, didn't you reveal afterwards that that came out of the fact that there was just nothing for us to do there, and you needed it to get us out of that basement? Like, it was <laughs> I, just I like, think so, yeah. That, and you guys aren't supposed to be here anymore. It's it, like, you guys are just hooked on this one room. Well, it got, it, 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 got it got us. It got us we, out. We, we didn't even consider fighting. We just left the area and didn't care what happened to that monster. We were just like, oh, we're, got, we're gone. Also, that monster was ex- inspired by the Rakthars in The Force Awakens. Yes. Yeah, mm. pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I just lopped and dropped it in. My favorite scene was the fight scene in the hospital room where I was Jackie Channing the chair everywhere. <laughs> That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those close quarters scenes. You can see it in a movie. Close uh-huh. quarters. Everybody's doing all, everything like over top of a body, throwing chairs, jump, jumping over beds and stuff. But no one's actually getting damaged at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I, it's uh, it reminded it me was... a lot of action scenes in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she's using a lot of improvised weapons. Yeah, that kind of that yeah. kind of uh, inspiration. Either that or the scene. We talked a lot about this scene when it happened, but the scene when the dome cracked, oh, the explosion, yeah. and my character climbing up out of the water like a superhero. Finally, you're far enough away that the pressure is becoming manageable and you're able to reach out and snag a ladder. All of a sudden, the, the warehouse, which is on yeah. very close to the, th- there's like an earthquake. The ground starts shaking underneath your feet. The warehouse that you had been in starts collapsing. Like the scene is from the outside of the window looking at their faces, but their faces are all lit up with uh-huh. like fire, like a red orange glow. Jerry just climbing out of the climbing water. out of the sewer and looking, looking up and over seeing... and just being lit up in reflection. Well, yeah, we liked that episode so much we did a whole series of one shots. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we'll get to that when we talk about storytelling. Yeah. yeah. I have three. Wow. Okay. okay. I also have an honorable mention, by the way. Sorry. All right. I mean, I have tons of honorable mentions. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Top, 
we will not cede the crown to the Bay Mansion. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Benedict and Grayson running through the, the council hall, the council building, the par- parliament, parliament yeah. uh, and, and bursting through that door, both, both characters at the same moment, kicking in that door. 17. The door bursts open. Grayson steps through and shouts, We will not! Seed the crown to the Bay Banshee. There is pandemonium in the room. You can see Lord Liverich literally throttling a man. It's a long hallway. There are benches along both sides. There's a place where, where like the head of the Privy Council and, and the royal party sits. And he has literally got, has a man's head and he is pushing him down onto a railing that separates the royal people. And he's literally, the man's face is turning purple. And everybody else around there, there's just fists fighting everywhere. There's knives that have been drawn. And you just hear blanketing all of your senses. You will see the crowd No, our entrance wasn't grand at all. <laughs> no, everyone ignored us. <laughs> we wanted to come in. <laughs> and everybody like, huh? <laughs> but apparently no one noticed. That scene, it's just, it sticks out. Number two is an entire, I don't remember what you called it, the, the uh, chamber of auditory asphyxiation or like the, the oh. entire... Oh, uh, where it was silent? Yeah, the entire silent building area. Yeah. The finale of Angel's Guard. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was cool. Okay, so I only have two. Those, those, those are my two. You had an honorable mention? Oh, yeah, you did. Oh, the scene where Bear opens his jaw and just lets out that. Yeah, it that becomes awesome. Bear. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a Bear. That was awesome. Yeah, that was yeah, like awesome. the turning point for Bear. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. So yeah. That was awesome. So, what would you like Bear to do? So, I imagine Bear, after getting thrown, is going to roll, stand back up, and shout at the soldiers. I want my Bear! Arms go back behind him and his mouth is like wide open and it's just the sound that comes out that so when he starts yelling his jaws actually ratchet lower than they're supposed to <laughs> like a grizzly bear yes and steel fangs just pop oh, out under, like, he is a bear <laughs> comedic moment comedic moment that was supposed to be a comedic moment, or was <laughs> I mean, it could, could be something that wasn't supposed to be. I mean, it could be something that was. Okay, probably my favorite comedic moment um, came in the Rhesus game when I introduced uh, his girlfriend, Scarpy! Scarpy, where are you? <laughs> no need for for virgin sacrifices anymore. What's Scarpy Pooh gonna eat? He's gonna eat whatever they served him in prison. Scarpy ain't going to prison. He told me he'd never go back. Well, if he's not going to prison, then he's probably going to die. Don't say that! Well... (laughs) You're going to make me cry! uh, I'm sorry? (laughs) Scarpy can't die! It's going to be okay? All I want is a little scorpion in my life. He's so sweet. (laughs) And you say he's gonna die or he's gonna go to prison. And what does that leave little horror shit? 
It's because he eats people. <laughs> he needs to eat people. I mean, when we tried to offer him horses, he said that the hair got stuck in his teeth. <laughs> put the hair off. It's <laughs> a simple solution. You're, you're just an awful human being. Well, I'm not really a human being, so... You're not? Nope. I'm not. <laughs> uh, yes, that character was ridiculous. It was so funny. We were just losing it. That was one of our Zoom, our Zoom uh, sessions. <sighs> Oh, Zorro? we forgot Zoro. Yeah, yeah, Zoro. Zoro, yeah. Zoro was a great game. Yeah. yeah. One that wasn't supposed to be comedic, but ended up being slightly comedic, was Angel's Guard. We were hunting down the first guy who was we thought was responsible for oh, kidnapping yeah. the queen. And we find him in a chair or something. Benedict walks up and clubs him in the back of the head with his quarter staff and ends up killing him. But we didn't want him to die. And so here I am, spending hero points, trying to keep this guy alive. Yeah, like, this, no, this shouldn't happen this way. That was, that was fun. And then two minutes later in that scene, after you had spent hero points to save him, George just goes and kills him. Right, he's just like, hey, 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 hey. no! I worked hard on this. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that Jordan had planned for him to die, and so was making sure that somehow somebody was going to end up killing him. You guys have a mind of your own, and don't blame me for all of your <laughs> bad decisions. We do like killing off characters that you have as villains that were supposed to be big bads later on. Very quickly. Very quickly. Don't do it in the first episode of the campaign, then you're just yeah. screwed from there. Yeah. We did with Terra Proximus. Yeah. So yeah. what I have found, you know, I have GM'd all of once for this group. This group definitely has a way of taking whatever plans you have oh, and yeah. making sure they do not execute that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's any game. One of the best yeah. lessons in life, but, be flexible. But it was funny because going into it, I had expected that to come from Jordan. Like, I expected Jordan to be the one to throw wrenches at the entire no, I'm actually one no. of the more reserved role players. Sometimes. It was me. It yes. was my character. It was like, uh, you don't want to fight this guy. Yeah, I'm going to kick him. <laughs> uh, well, all right then. Comedic scene. I have a second one. Okay. That's not a stick. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, that was one of my... Wait, so you go to pick up the branch, and it's not really a branch. It, and it's more like dog turd. <laughs> <laughs> and you just drop it in surprise. Really? <laughs> really? That makes Grayson mad. Stupid dice roll. How can you not find a stick in the forest? <laughs> when it's not a stick. A good oops moment. It wasn't really comedic, but it was a big oops was when I was testing to see if the ice oh, was flammable. Oh, that was fantastic. No, 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 no. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Okay, that's my favorite scene. I threw the sludge with the Freeman fire. Throwing is pretty easy, so we'll give him a hero point. Yay. Nice. nice. Jeff just got a hero point for flinging poo. Poo flung poo. Jeff flung poo. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? What happens when the Bremen fire meets the cold? It hits a building, the jug shatters, and the building immediately...
up in flames. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like vi- more violent than typical. Yes. Does it spread? It starts spreading, yes. Oh my uh, gosh, no! That was great. That's I appreciated great. that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go playing Fiery Poo in Wooden Cities. Your medieval lesson of the day. <laughs> Favorite comedic moment, like one of the most obvious ones, of course, is opening scene from The Fiasco. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Jeremy and I were neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Roy Jenkins. Yes, that's was one of mine. But, hey. uh, opening scene where Jeremy, who's paraplegic, Leroy Jenkins, comes into my yard in his motorized wheelchair. And I've got a duffel bag. And there's something obviously moving in the duffel bag. Is it a weasel? It is your cat. <laughs> Roll up the driveway, and I just toss the bag onto the front porch. <laughs> Keeps digging up our flowers. <laughs> I step out my door. I look at Leroy Jenkins. What are you doing now? Keep your cat from digging up our flowers. <laughs> your flowers? Look at my flower bed. I don't see any flowers. Exactly. What'd you do to it? It's not my lawn. You should take better care of your lawn. I step off the porch and I start going towards him. Look, you broke my garage door. You broke my back. That's not my fault. You were in my garage. I don't know what you were doing there looking for something you said. You had my tools. You lent them to me. Three months before. You never asked for them back, did you? You shouldn't just be going through people's garages. It's not my fault you got the door closed on you. Now my door won't close at all. And I go over and I push him. And this is when he falls out of the chair? Yeah. He falls out of the chair. <laughs> then I hop on the chair. <laughs> and I drive it up to my garage. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Push the door up as much as I can and put the chair inside the garage and close the door again. Joy! Dang it, she's at work. <laughs> and I go back inside my house. As you as you go in your house, hope you didn't like grass here. <laughs> as I'm pulling out grass from your front lawn, and I, just, oh, no. I go in my house. I find some old water balloons I had lying around. <laughs> I fill them up from the last neighborhood block and just party. throw them at Leroy Jenkins laying on my yard. <laughs> I'm hurting from laughing so much. Uh, that whole that whole fiasco. That whole fiasco. There's just a feud there's... between the two neighbors. That any scene that was just hilarious. Well, yeah. not only the feud between the neighbors, but then Officer Beverage came from that. Yes. Yep. Yes. And, uh, so many police came from that. I mean, there's all sorts of comedy in that. All right. Since Johnny picked Leroy Jenkins and uh, the neighbor, that was going to be one of mine. Another favorite comedic moment was any scene. With Willis Masters and his parents. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. Space hillbillies. Space hillbillies. That was the only comedic relief in Terror Proxies. <laughs> hey, what's up, Dad? How's it going, little Willie? It's going all right, Pop. Well, I, we need you to have a seat. Your mother and I need to talk to you about something. Uh, okay. We need, we need, um... We Hold kinda... on, honey, wait for me. I gotta finish these dishes. <sighs> so bad. <laughs> Murray, get off my leg. I am trying to do this. 
Is that robo dog humping your leg again? No, your daughter. Oh. <laughs> Sweetie, go find your teddy bear. Go. My God. Mommy! Mommy! Mom, Bobby's in the toilet again. He's doing a double decker. Bobby, I swear I will put your head in there and make you drink it. My God, what Mom, am I don't doing? Do that. What am I doing it's with my gross. life? Well, then he better stop doing that. That is hard to clean. Ah, uh, children. We sell them to medical experiments or something. God, it's hard living in a space double wide. <laughs> Stealing the show definitely was yes. Willis Master's parents. <laughs> Another great hilarity moment was was at Ten Candles. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. It's so gross. <laughs> oh, gosh. Where the tentacle rips <laughs> out of my butt and flies through the windshield. <laughs> I can't believe those words just came out of somebody's mouth. Exactly. That was exactly. my comment in the episode. It's like, never would I thought in a Bone Thrones episode with the words, then the tentacle ripped itself out of my butt and, and flew through the windshield. What happened? Never. Oh, oh I had awesome. forgotten about that. Jeremy shared that with me the other day, and I had completely forgotten about it. But when he shared it with me, I spent the next ten minutes yeah, rolling did. around. <laughs> he really did. He I'm really sitting there trying did. to edit this episode. This is a, a ten-second clip that I spent ten minutes on just because I couldn't do anything because I was laughing so hard. And I remember my buddy Chris being like, this is what you guys do? <laughs> What episode is that? I gotta go listen to that because I want to hear the sound effects. <laughs> we'll get the sound design in a second. We'll get the sound design in a second. Oh my god. You know, our comedic relief in Terra Proximus was primarily our puns. Yeah, the, I, they were unbelievable. Oh gosh! <laughs> Why'd you have to bring this back? Believable? <laughs> Unbelievable. Puns oh. are fun. Horrific moments? Horrific moments? We've got plenty of those. Well, we already... The same had scene. <laughs> the tentacle, yes. Yes, the tentacle. And then you... Ellie said the horrific one where you actually wanted to get up and run, actually. Yes, yes. Probably the, with the kids in the school. At yeah. The flood coming yeah. down. The flood was coming. For the council. Friend resigned to his fate, puts his head between the bars of the holding cell, and then drops his body to break his own neck. You hear all at that sound, that like bone crunching sound, all the military personnel snap to attention and in unison you hear FOR THE COUNCIL! Gently throws up. One of my favorites is when Miranda and Wendy get in the cave. Into, they're in the yes. cave. <laughs> I know yeah. exactly. All of a sudden, you hear a familiar voice. Hello, Dr. Kristoff. Okay, I'm going to turn toward the voice. He, he's completely covered in bees. The only thing visible of him is the tip of his nose and just around his mouth. His eyes are visible as well. The pupils are contracted so much that all you can basically see are tiny little pinpricks in a sea of green. The most crazy thing about his eyes is that they're cocked at different angles. So one is looking off to the left and the one is looking off to the right. I told you that they were coming for me. The voices came, didn't they? Why don't I just go?
go take a look um, at the patients and... Dr. Kristoff, make sure they all survive. I will do my best. You must. And then his eyes focus on you. (laughs) I'll see you in a little bit. This is where the zombies thing Uh came from. Yeah. Yeah. So the true hive is a sentient (laughs) is a sentient hive of bees. Yeah. And the way that they would take over because they told me no zombies. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll I'll make zombies. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty horrific. And yeah, so the the hive would control you from the inside. They would live in your lungs and basically take over your body. You. Yeah. Yeah. Another horrific moment was same thing. We will not see the ground for the baby and she going into that yes. scene. They're they're very preoccupied because it looks like there is a giant figure just floating in air wrapped in a death shroud. A giant. Twice the size of a normal human being. So ten foot tall. Thereabouts. Part of me does not want to get anywhere near this building. Yeah, um, part of me does not either. I don't see any other way around it, though. Benedict's just standing looking back and forth between Doris and Grayson. Grayson is going to start slowly walking towards the barrier. Okay. Benedict's going to shrug and start following. Like a death march slow, like a... <laughs> it was awesome. There was a lot of tension. Yeah, there was a lot yes. of tension with that, with that one. Um, as far as horrific moments... All of Grin. Grin was great. All, all of Grin. Grin was horrific. And I had fun contributing to the horrific moments as well because the idea of Grin was when you actually went crazy. Yeah. Okay. You either died or you went crazy. And I remember it was some characters down below in the down the stairs, like trying to discuss what they're gonna gonna do. And then my character had already gone crazy, so I was like he's going to go into that room with a piano. And all of a sudden, they just start hearing this weird, dissonant piano music. You can, you have a choice. Are you going to follow him up those stairs? He hells no. And you hear, they hate this! (laughs) (laughs) They hate this! (laughs) Those are the places we haven't looked to see if there's maybe any way out. Fire escape. Let's go. Even in the Oh, maybe out the office window. Yeah. Okay. The piano has stopped. Oh shit, let's go to the children's wing. Children's wing. Yes, let's go die in there. And that was great because I had decorated the room because it was like a, a Halloween uh, one. It was, yeah. yeah, it was like a an insane asylum for children. So I had like dolls all over the room and stuffed <laughs> animals and everything like that. And then I had laid bones out on the table. It was probably one of my most elaborate room preparations that I've done for an RPG. So I initially had said I had three favorite scenes. That third one that I cut was that whole Grin episode. The characters were fun. The way it was played was fun. And what was fun for me with that was the fact that I was the uh, one of, I was the murderer, yeah. or however it played out. You went to jump the chains, mm-hmm. and like it actually catches your feet. And you fall and hit your head on a, a protruding rock. You're laying on the turf of an insane asylum that's been abandoned for 10 years. The only crazy person that you see is someone who you lied to and told that they were your friend. You grab the chain and you pull him down on top of you and you grab his head in your hands and you bash his head repeatedly over and over and over and over again onto that rock 
but you hit your own head on. And you say, Die, you bastard. <laughs> it was, oh, it was a blast. I would also like to mention something that wasn't horror, but had the potential to be, was that one character in that last one shot we played, where we had the discussion, I think it was Jeremy who announced that it was just kind of like, oh, this is multiple oh, personalities in a circle. We didn't mention that one. A penny for my thoughts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I think my character, if I ever play a character like that again, anybody seen the movie Split? Where yes. he turns into the beast. Yes. That has the potential for that. So I just wanted to make that mentioned. So. Yeah. Since we transitioned to one shots, they might have a favorite one shot. Favorite one That's, shot. This is tough. That's a tough one. Oh, mine right away, Cthulhu Dark. Come on. That was awesome for me. I mean. Yeah. Favorite one shot? Only because it would be great as a campaign, Zoro. Yeah, Zoro. Yeah, Zoro was a lot of fun with that. One. I love the. I just like the the, the rule set. And the, yeah, I love the way the rules work for that game. Yeah, I really enjoyed Cosmic Patrol. I did too. Shot. That was a lot of fun. Because <clears throat> that was just very campy. It was Guardians of the Galaxy goofiness. Mm. I was watching through Voyager at the time, and Captain Proton was one of my favorite parts uh, of Voyager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that was some inspiration there. One shots are always very entertaining. Fiasco mm -hmm. is one of them. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I always get come back to Elder Tie as one that I really like. But I think probably at the top of my list is probably Inspectors. Inspectors is Inspectors is such a good good one shot. Yeah, it really is. Um, especially the way the character build is. I like that. Especially, I don't know if it's built in this way, but Jordan, you, every time we've done it, you've done it sort of like. A job interview, like you're getting interviewed to become a part of this in the inspector's team, yeah. And that provided so much is an easy way and quick way to get backstory for each of these characters. So it made the role playing a whole lot more easy to jump right into for inspectors. And also, I mean, it's X Files combined with Ghostbusters kind yeah. of thing. And X Files is one of my favorite shows. So also, of all time, so. also some reality TV like Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or so the, the, the interview is actually written in as part of the character development. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but another method that they have is being interviewed on a local access television show. <laughs> By Bill Murray. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning of Ghostbusters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One of the ones I don't think worked as well as we thought, we, we made it work, but I don't think I understood the rules as well as we thought I did at first, was Swords Without Masks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, there was parts of that that I liked, like the uh, artifacts. The artifact was great. I think the artifact yeah, would be a really... bringing uh, an artifact with you to base your character around. That artifact plays cool a special thing for your character in the game. That's cool. Yeah. I loved Capers for its sheer. It, it was a, it was a, a pretty campy story. It okay. was a fun. It was a fun campy story. Yes. Yeah. And that was and that that's was the a, way Aaron wrote it to be. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The and game system itself I is not campy. It. How the mob so saved Christmas. How the mob saved. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Good title. <laughs> so sound design. Sound design. This is like primarily to to, Jeremy. But I like to get feedback from you guys as well. We didn't start off with both thirds with sound design, other than just quick edits, and that was it. We had the intro, we had the outro, and then as we went on, especially as the story started to develop with Terra Proximus. It was like, man, there's there's a lot a lot that could happen here that could beef up 
yeah. the story, make it more emotional, get you drawn in a little bit more. So that's why we did started to put in sound design. And I will have to say, most of the moments that I shared that were my favorites, especially that scene in Terra Proximus with Burntail going to the, the camp, even though I loved the scene as we were doing it, when I started to do the sound design on top of it, it was like, oh my gosh, there was especially that scene where I started to put sound effects and some background instrumentation on it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I got to take a break from this because yeah. this is emotional. I'm getting emotional just editing this scene because it added so much more to it. Mm. Um, and I would say the same thing, even the, with Grin, there was a bunch of stuff, minor stuff in the background that kind of made it the story stand out a little bit more. Yeah, it hooked you into the story. That's why I th I think sound design has been a, a good thing. All the scenes that you guys mentioned, the explosion scene, oh, yeah. um, the, there was a bunch of sound stuff that went into that and that montage of of things. I've heard other podcasts do where they have sound design, mm -hmm. and I think we we've talked about it, maybe not on air or in the actual recording before, but where it's been. It's just over the top, and it's way yeah, too some, much. I've, some people use way too much. Some people don't use it at all. And it's it's about finding that perfect balance. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I don't think I knew what what to expect. Cause, so when I first, at the beginning of Angel's Guard, when Jordan asked me if I wanted to join, I don't remember if he mentioned that it was recorded for a podcast when he first invited me to play. It wasn't oh. until later. I don't remember. <laughs> it was, I had agreed to, and then he mentioned that it was recorded for a podcast. I might have slowly sunk you into the idea. Yeah, I feel like that was kind of what happened. <laughs> when I first listened to an episode, I don't think I knew what to expect. Was, you know, was it just going to be just voices? And I think I started with the beginning of Angel's Guard before Brother Benedict was introduced. And I was surprised to hear sound in it. And I was like, but it doesn't take away from the story yeah. at all. It really does add another element. And make, like, I remember specific scenes in Angel's Guard where people were traveling through... <laughs> through the city and hearing the sounds of the city. And it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course you would hear that. Yeah. It, it, it was cool. I think probably one of my favorite moments of sound design was Elements of War, the, the opening soundtrack. Because yeah. you and I had been bouncing ideas off of each other. And you're like, well, what are you looking for in terms of the, the sound of the, the, the theme music? You, you had sent me one draft, and I'm like, I like the overall feel of it, but we need to add some it more. Was, it was the first season. Was that the first season? It was the first season, because we had just recorded, we record a couple sessions in advance, so we had, we had, I think, gotten all the way up to the explosion yeah. before we were going to start, re start releasing them. We had already done the episode where it was the school, yeah, and we knew that at some point there was going to be and North Battle Saren Anthem. Yeah. So I had this sound sound clip, and that's Jordan. You were like, it needs to sound more like a, a communist-like anthem. A com yeah, a communist yeah, kind of thing. So I, yeah, basically spliced that with what I already had there. We talked about putting words to an anthem and having us sing it. But yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, that was too much. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Maybe later. <laughs> Maybe for the uh, special edition CD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, don't hold your breath. So interesting thing. There's been a couple of times where, in the sound design, we're trying to look for these royalty-free like sound clips where I can't find anything. And I brought this up to you guys before. It's like 
if I can't find anything, I'm going to just compose something and yeah. put it in there. So I've asked before, is like, hey, come up with like a, what you think is the theme for like song idea theme for your specific character and try and build it around that. And what got me hooked on that, and Johnny's on this as well, is there's this podcast called The Soundtrack Show. Great podcast. Um, all about music and movies and TV and video games and, yeah. and that. So I get a lot of good ideas of how to do sound design and how to, what to put yeah, in there from that, in that podcast. Mm-hmm. So, which I think I like to hear it with a little bit more context of background stuff of what could be going on. It helps tell the story mm-hmm. a little bit more in my mind. I know some people are. Yeah, I mean, like one of my favorite uh, audio scenes is the season finale for season two. The, the speech. Yes. That, as we're all lot. rushing out of the city. Yeah. But we implore you not to remain chased anymore. Rise now. Take back this city. So how does the city respond after that place? There are windows opening. There are people yelling across to each other. You start hearing sirens going off. Dome lights start flicking on. Like, when it's not supposed to be on. Another good one is in Angel's Guard when there's the tree, the woman in the tree. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she had, like, three tones to her voice. Mm-hmm. Her eyes open, and she just goes... <gasps> gasps in. When she speaks, it sounds like three voices layered up top of each other. You are all here to ask. You may ask... What you need to know of this world, and you may ask what you need to know of yourself. Another reason why I love this scene, and Aaron pointed out, is the the Parliament scene. Uh-huh. The sound in the Parliament, <laughs> that whole scene from outside of Parliament all the way through until we exit the barrier. That was one of my most fun hmm. times to put sound design in. Was that scene? Yeah. Uh, it was eeriness outside chaos inside and going transitioning from that was just so much fun to do mm. so methods yeah. of storytelling let's go ahead and talk about that because i think that's one of our most experimental areas and it's one of the things i'm most proud of with the podcast it's well yeah one of the things i love is that sets us apart from other podcasts also yeah. jordan you started off giving us a little bit more control rather than more uh, like your standard gm was kind of dictate the story for you and then just basically what you do is based off your dice rolls there's a lot of i would say especially set up with terra proximus the idea of the interpersonal conflict yeah. that usually you don't get to in a standard dungeon crawl kind of campaign that helped set the mood for the method of st- storytelling and then also like you said the box of npcs that you just hand out you're going to play this character this time. You're going to play this character this time. And we would go, oh, does anybody want a particular character for this scene? And you guys would raise your hands and go, I want this one. I want this one. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Because everybody had like a little a little short, like one or two sentence description of who they were. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then the first thing we did to try and bring a new element of storytelling in was the at the beginning of season two to do the flashback yes. episodes. Yeah. And that turned out so well. On a particular character. So you had oh. a flashback episode for Johnny's character, one for Jeff's character. And it was all before they went on the, the mission. So mm-hmm. it was like thing. their life before. Yeah. And, okay. it, and that's how season two opened. Yeah. It gave 
much more insight into the characters that we had, why they were the way that they were. And also gave Jordan tons of ammunition for season two. <laughs> yes, 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 it did. <laughs> so that's why Jordan keeps wanting to do that again. <laughs> war. But look how well it turned out in Elements of War. Yeah. Well, Elements of War, we did it differently. We yes. had, in the middle of season one, not even at the we end. We have random flashbacks. We had the whole side shots, which yes. is to- was totally yes. different. Which is which following different characters at that specific moment in time. In the story. Yeah. And, well, the great thing about that is it ended up giving us so many other plot points that we've integrated. Right. Yeah. That gave us the androids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It made, it made the story That so gave us bear. If there was no side there was shots, no there would be no yeah. bear. It gave us the school. <laughs> gave us the school. It yeah. gave us... What's his name that had the... Uh, the Crom Deli. Crom Deli. It Crom Deli. Yeah. I think that the side shots, they were narratively very difficult to do. They were very difficult because we would record them... We didn't set yes. aside a single episode, like, session, recording session. session. Yeah, the first hour of the next recording sessions were just that. And then we would have to transition back to all of the other characters. Yeah. yeah. The main camp. And narratively, that was very difficult to do. But I don't think we would have been as successful with the side shots if we had tried to come up with new characters all, them, yeah. all, all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Also, that was tough to do as we're playing, because we're, as we're playing our main characters... A week or two after those side shots, we'd have been like, "Wait, yeah, we gotta get our timeline straight." Timeline straight. Do I know this yet? It's like like our characters don't. This has already happened, but our characters don't know this yet. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. That was confusing. And not talking about our one shots in our regular commentary, or talking about our one shots in the regular commentary, and then then having to edit 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 out. Yeah, there was a lot of editing in those commentaries. And then one of my favorite side shots that we never really talk about is the background for Archie. Mm, because yeah. Archie had basically a side shot yeah. worked yeah. into another episode. Yeah. Well, there, yeah. was, there was one episode. There was one episode where we reintroduced the kids. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which and would and honestly, at still at the beginning of that episode, when it was like, "Oh, we're reintroducing the kids," I fully expected kids gone. Yeah. Archie joined the group, but it was like kids gone. Ah, bear, come on. <laughs> you get to stay. <laughs> you know, if I had had it my way, I probably would have. If you hadn't ruined it in the black house, I would have tried to save all the kids. Tried to kick? save them all. Uh, no, maybe kick. not kick. Uh, I don't know if anybody's caught this and listened to it. Jer's character actually probably killed Kick. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Because there was a reference when Jer was going through. And knocking on those doors, oh, you heard right. this little kid go, bang, who are you? And I was like, oh, that's Kick. And then all of a sudden, the, when the uh, fire drakes came in and one starts blasting fire, Jeff's like, I'm going to redirect that to the walls. Kids start screaming. <laughs> it's like, well, bye-bye, Kick. All right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which means it was probably the whole group of the kids. Right. But then this, in the middle of, or the beginning of season three, not just flashbacks, but we tried to do a sort of like montage, a nonlinear. But it was it was yeah, yeah nonlinear. That and that yeah. was that was that was difficult. Well, it was very good as we went through until we got to the end, and it's like, all right, now let's put all yeah, of it together. <laughs> and like well, I think we said this before, when you do something like that, um, it was great method of storytelling. What we did is we just kind of left it at that and then tried to jump right back into how we normally do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and 
there was no plan of how to reconnect yeah. all of those things. So we're trying to do that on the fly where Jordan had an idea of how to connect things. Aaron had an idea of how to connect things. Yeah. I had an idea. Yeah. Of how to, and we're trying to do it all at the same time. And none of our ideas were really Some of the connections were, were a little oh, off-center. Yeah. But different way to tell the story, and it kept things interesting. I don't think I would do it for a, for a whole No, it wouldn't season. work everywhere. No, no, no. no. It would, hold on, it would be kind of fun. Oh, it would be kind of fun to do like a, a murder mystery campaign in a, in a locked house. Kind of like how Clue has the yes. flashbacks yes. and everything. Montage. I, I, I do love our, uh, our method of storytelling where we have a general story, but you know, we each have our own little contributing parts to it, and our characters have their own individual goals that they have, mm-hmm. which uh, have we have to, as a character, we have to integrate our personal goals into what's actually happening. Yeah. Well, yeah, not only that, but just we are still coming up with new ways to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we also steal a lot from other games. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's like true. with um, Fiasco, the end of Angel's Guard, we, we pretty much took the, the ending of Fiasco where you go around the table and you t- everybody states w- like a positive or negative thing epilogue. that happened after the story ended. Yeah, the epilogue. Yeah, the epilogue. And I loved that. Um, we might do that again with Elements of War. If anybody was left alive. Oh, I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which idea? Going around the table or if anyone's left alive? Both. <laughs> Something that we've always done, and I think I mentioned it earlier, but the three by three, mm-hmm. that's something that is definitely a storytelling technique. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I honestly don't think I would ever want to create a character any other way at this point. It's, I mean, yeah. uh, for like a main yeah. campaign yeah. that you're going to do. I disagree. Oh, really? Yes. I hate planning. I'm somebody who has to be in the moment. <laughs> Such in the moment. That's who I am. Well, that's sort of what I do is, you know, I'm in the moment when, you know, Jordan asks us our questions, mm-hmm. like, to develop our backstory. I'm like, eh, what the first thing that pops in my mind, oh, okay, that's who this character is going to be now. When we were creating Angel's Guard characters... We did them independently from each other? Uh-huh. Well, no. We did something different for Angel's Guard. We actually took a fiasco That's right. and yeah. actually online filled out a our fi- fiasco, fiasco relationship. relationships. That's why mm. we ended up with, aside from Aaron's character, because yeah. Aaron wasn't a part of that, but there was a relationship with my character and Jeff's character. Yeah. There was a relationship with my character and Johnny's character. I had forgotten mm-hmm. so about that. We, we, should, have, we should do that again. We had done yeah. that. And that actually made things interesting because that's mm-hmm. how you ended up with the whole Demetrius and Grayson teaming up and yeah. <laughs> the smuggling yeah. operation. Smuggling together because that was part of their backstory. And the great thing about that is it automatically builds into your character how you guys are Related. working together. Yes. Right. Because, you know, for the first couple episodes of Elements of War, we had to figure that out, you know. That yeah, was... and we were always in different parts of the city. Yes, yeah. and, and uh, the first season of Elements of War actually kind of naturally felt a little disjointed because of that. Because I'm trying really hard to, yeah, to get mean, you guys. The to only get real together. connection we had was between me and Aaron, yeah. right? In Terra Proximus, there it's, it's like you have nowhere else to go. You're on a spaceship going to the planet. <laughs> yeah, congrats. This is your team. Deal with who you got. Yeah. <laughs> But, but, I mean, that, that's kind of... of complete different types of story, though. Right. Very different right. kind of story. And also a, a weakness in, in... Well, not weakness, but a learning point in my GMing journey. 
You know, it's like, how do we get these characters together? That's always a tough one. Yeah, that's it's the hardest like, part know. of every story. Yeah, I, I don't like the three by threes. It makes me feel trapped. Just a little that's bit. That's one of the I, questions. You feel trapped when? Yeah, <laughs> I have yeah. to do a three by three for my I've, character. No, well, <laughs> we, did we did it. Actually, you're right. Yeah, and that's one of the better characters I had. So, yeah, three by three for that was really awesome. That really helped me build my character. Yeah. For this, when we had to do our three by threes for this new season, yeah, I, I just wanted to throw my phone at a wall <laughs> where I was making my notes because I was like, I don't know any interesting things. I just do it in the moment. Yeah, and it made me, I, I had that same problem. Right, I and when you a, write something down, you have to follow it throughout the series. No, I have a confession. Uh-huh. I have a belief and a goal that have not been talked about or used once for Sam and Shade. There are some things that generate in this, like where the story is going. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, like, yeah, my 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 goals and beliefs were like all of season one. <laughs> <laughs> there was for Grace and Digby. There were some goals and beliefs from the rehash for season two that never came into play. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So while it's, I think it gives gives a guidance. Yeah. It's more like a what, what, it's more like guidelines, guidelines, and <laughs> guidelines yeah. rather than hard pass rules. And it's also there we yeah. go. We're representing pirates again. <laughs> As a true confession, the three by three is not for you. Right. Yeah. The three by three is for me because I think it was Fred Hicks from Evil Hat who said that the character sheet is the love letter to the GM. Actually, no, that was from Apocalypse World. So basically, the idea is that your character sheet is Ellie. Telling Jordan what Ellie wants to do. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be the same or it's always going to follow through. But th- those are the things that you would want to, to have highlighted. And so if you have this idea that you want a super strong character, you put the highest numbers in strength and things like that. And then I have to accommodate that. Mm-hmm. The 3x3 three three does the same thing, but from a storytelling hmm. perspective. It is you telling me what you want your story to be about. Okay. Um, so it's not necessarily for something to hold you accountable. It's to hold me accountable. Got it. The 3x3 three three is like what I use to try and make a story that will be uh, interesting to you. Okay. Like part of Jeremy's 3x3 three three is a real strong suspicion of the system. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I ever feel like I don't really know what I want to do with your with a character, I go look at their three by three, and I go, "How can I be challenged by that?" Or how can I, at the beginning of the campaign, I use the three by three to say, "Well, this is going to be the major villain because I can tie it to this theme, that theme. I can challenge a person with this objective, both positively challenge them and negatively challenge them." So affirm and then tear down kind of thing. So and that's where a lot of that's where a lot of the thing comes from. Affirm? Does he ever do that? I think I do. Uh, he did it in Angel's Guard with Grace and Bigby, with that one episode where he that sp- one episode. Yes, that one, <laughs> that one episode where he went to, to Haley's house. Yeah, and uh-huh. was expecting to have this big argument with Haley, just trying to get her to help, and all of a sudden it was Grayson, come inside! I yeah. need you. I was like, whoa. Okay. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to make a story that you have an interest in, in participating in. 
I want you to give me guidelines. And the, so the 3x3 three three is bumpers for Jordan. It's like some people use lines and veils in their games, or they use the X card. Um, it's another way of you telling me what you're comfortable with, and then I can transgress against it. Um, if you just let your players talk enough, guys, pro tip for all of you GMs out there, just let them talk enough, and they will present problems for you. <laughs> There literally have been times like in between like sessions where I'm like, oh, that's a cool article. I'm gonna post that. Nope, I'm not. Jordan's gonna see. <laughs> Jordan's gonna see that, and then all hell will break loose the next session. Well, and that comes. I, I'm a firm believer in what's the name of the book? Play Dirty, um, yeah. where it's a series of essays from John Wick, where he basically tells you how to use pathos to build interesting stories. By like, you have a character who has a sidekick. Hello, Toad. You know that sidekick's going to die at some yes, point. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Or your character loves visiting their grandmother. Well, I'm sorry, grandmother, you're going to die at some point. You know, yeah. it's like taking what the char your characters love and using that to create a year of hell, essentially. Your character has no family. We'll resurrect them. We'll kill them again. <laughs> <laughs> we will not cede the shade <laughs> to the evil GM. I am not evil. I am... Mischievous. <laughs> I am morally Cheating. bankrupt. <laughs> I am the most creative individual you'll ever come across, especially when it comes to hurting you. I don't know. But so I'm not evil. I'll tell you about my massage later. <laughs> wow. Why do you think these things happen? It's because you tell me something. I have this philosophy of I have to make things emotionally difficult for the players. And then I follow through on it. Which is why we follow the philosophy. If you don't want anything related to it to happen in the game, don't say it in front of Jordan. Yep. You, f you break that all the time, oh, right? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so think... Uh, mm, mm. <laughs> Go ahead. No. I know. I don't want to say it. <laughs> don't say a thing. I make that mistake all the time. Jeff, I'm terrible at keeping my ideas to myself. You're <laughs> the main culprit on ideas. Johnny, you're the main culprit on question. But Jeremy, you're the one who sends me essays of theories. Yes. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yes. But that's different because that's things that I actually want to have. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. How bizarre. <laughs> it's like the the whole thing with a genie. Uh -huh. you, you make your wish to the genie, and then a genie's going to twist it into some way monkey that actually ball. makes it work. Yeah. 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 Worse for you. yeah. Is well, that another method of storytelling? It is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, but, but so here's the thing. One of the things that I, I love is the idea of going with the obvious. Because mm -hmm. what's obvious to Jeff is not going to be obvious to Jeremy. Mm -hmm. What's obvious to Jeremy is not what's going to be obvious to Ellie. And what's obvious to Ellie is not going to be obvious to Jordan. Like, you thought you were going to go into the, into the parliament building and you were going to have, like, attention, like, maybe somber-looking fairies holding people hostage That's, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, one guy standing in the middle saying yeah. while everybody else is sit, having to sit there. And you walked into basically... A, a smackdown. Yep. Overall. So it's it's all about taking those expectations and sometimes affirming them, but more often than not subverting them. Yeah. But with that being said, does anybody have any last words or do you think we've uh, we've hit our time limit? 
I just say this last 300 episodes, I've had fun all along the way. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, seems like just not too long ago we were talking about 200. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then somebody at the table was like, hey, well, we're talking about 600. It's like, well, as fast as 300 came, yeah, uh, really. who knows? <laughs> Give us another two years. And... Yeah. Yeah, you don't know where it'll happen. All right, well, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And thank you so much for being a part of the ride. We do this as a creative outlet, and I think we would be doing it no matter if people were listening or not. But please give us feedback. That's right. Yeah. Tell us yeah. your favorites of each of these. Please tell me how to torture them. I'll just say it straight up. Like he needs more ideas. And also, just email me. I will send you my Venmo link. And you <laughs> tell me who you want to torture the most. Send me $5, and I'll make it happen. But you realize as you do that, he's going to use your names as like NPCs and kill them off as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. Our cast is Aaron, Ellie, Jeff, Jeremy, Johnny, and Jordan. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. That means you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our twiddle ha- a twiddle handle. Our Twitter handle is bonethrowerstheater. You can also look us up on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. What? Gaspar. Gaspar. My what a guy. Gaspar. <laughs> No one loves like Gaspar. <laughs> Nobody shoves like Gaspar. Gets on Jerry's nerves quite as nice as Gaspar. <laughs> I'm especially good at enervating. My what a guy. Yeah. Gaspar. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting close to copyright infringement, but yeah. I think we started there. To there and back again. <laughs> An Android story. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production. How do we get anything done? I don't know. I don't know. All right, so refocus. <laughs>